and it's hard to get them all in, in order. Uh, two additional announcements. Uh, most of you know that Randy Nelson fell and broke his hip. He had surgery this morning. The surgery went well. Uh, as I was speaking with Frank, it's, it's about time something went good for that man. Uh, but he is doing well from what I understand. And uh, Tammy's dad fell again this afternoon, if you will. Continue to keep him in your prayers as he struggles with the ailments that he has. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 18. And we are going to be studying the parable. Many call it the parable of the unjust judge, but um, it's the parable of the persistent widow. And Jesus is explaining that prayer is a necessity and consistent prayer is a necessity. And he uses this parable to illustrate this point. Beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 18. And he spake a parable unto them at this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Jesus tells us specifically that he is dealing with the subject of prayer. He says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't give up. Don't grow weary of praying. Pray always. And thus he gets into the parable of the persistent widow. It's not the first time that Jesus used a parable to illustrate the necessity of prayer. In Luke chapter 11 and verses 5 through 13, he deals with the, the parable of the brother who went to his friend in the middle of the night and he said, I have a friend that is visiting me and I have nothing to, nothing to offer him. And the man told the one asking him to go away because it was the middle of the night and his children were in bed, his wife was in bed, but because the man persisted and he didn't want to disturb his family, he gave the man what he asked. Basically, he gave the man what he asked because he didn't want to be bothered with him any longer. And this is the basis of uh, the, not the basis of the parable of the persistent widow, but it is another illustration of the necessity of prayer and persistent prayer and how Jesus says that God wants us to come to him. He will answer our prayers. And as he closes his parable, Jesus says that he will do it speedily. The first verse reads that he spoke a parable unto them that men ought always to pray and to not lose heart. We live in an age where we want things instantly. We don't want to wait. We want it now. We have instant grits, instant oatmeal. We can open up our Internet Explorer and we can Google something and we have an instant answer to a question. We no longer have to do research. But the parable here teaches us that we need to be patient. That we need to understand that God does things on his time. 
But are we persistent in our prayers? When we pray to God, do we pray and then we don't get the answer that we want and then we simply give up? We assume that God is not going to grant our petition? Or do we go to God again and we do, do we pray to God again? And are we persistent in the things that we ask? When we pray for the sick, are we persistent in our prayers for the sick? Do we believe that God is going to answer our prayers? Tammy's niece had what they believe was a brain tumor. And she was very sick, had taken medication. They were considering surgery. Uh, the desire was, the, or the outlook was, was not good. And an elder in the congregation where she worshiped paid attention to the prayers that were offered. Lord, restore her to a portion of her health. Ease her pain, ease her suffering, and so on and so forth. He noticed that the brethren were not praying for her to be healed. And he said, why not? Why don't we pray for them to be healed? And so he got up and he led a prayer on her behalf for her to be healed. The next time that she went to the doctor, the tumor was gone. She no longer had that illness that had been prescribed and the desire or the, the uh, unfavorable outlook on her life that had been predicted for her. Why don't we pray for people to be healed instead of just restoring a reasonable portion of their health? I hope that as we examine this parable of the, the persistent widow that we can see that that is what God wants. That is what God expects. He expects us to come to him and be persistent in that prayer and expect to get the, the answer that we desire. Let us look at the parable. Many refer to this parable as the parable of the unjust judge. Nowhere in this parable does it say that this judge is unjust. It says that he regarded not God and he didn't regard man, but it did not say that he renders unjust judgment. He was just a man who looked at the law as best I can tell and saw that everything was in black and white. And he had judged according to what was on the book. Made no discernment as to what was right or what was wrong just simply by the book. In this day and age, women were in a very undesirable state. Most young girls were married by the age of 14. They were expected to bear children as long as they could, and they were expected to bear children as many as they could. And for this reason, there were very few women who survived past the age of the mid to late 30s. A widow was a widow only if she lived past her 60th birthday. If her husband died before her 60th birthday, she was expected to remarry and preferably it would be a member of her husband's family. So as we consider this parable, let us note that this woman was a widow. She was above 60 years of age. Her husband had passed away. Keep in mind also that women had no property rights. If their husband passed away, they could inherit property, but it was very difficult for them to keep it because a neighbor or a family member could come under common law and take what was theirs. 
And so they had a very difficult time if, they di if their husband died while they were at a young age. They had a very hard time sustaining themselves and keeping what their husbands had left to them. I don't know what this adversary had done to this woman. We're not told. We don't know if it was something physically. Perhaps this person had taken something from her that was rightfully hers. We don't know. The judge didn't think it was significant because he kept putting her off. He kept telling her to go away. Didn't want to make a judgment on it. Didn't want to hear from her. But to this woman, this was something very significant. And she would not let it go. It was important to her. Let us keep in mind that there are no unimportant things between us and God. If it's important to us, it is important to God. He does not rule the way that this judge did. She had some adversary who had wronged her. And she needed the help of this judge to aid her in correcting this situation. I can picture her as an old grandmother who was very vocal in this situation. She kept coming back and she kept coming back and she kept coming back and she wouldn't take no for an answer until the judge made a ruling on her case. But she had a very hard time getting to see the judge. The judge wouldn't see her. He kept turning her away. Her attempts fell on deaf ears. And finally she wearied him. Luke chapter 18 and verse 4. We see where the judge decided to make the ruling. It wasn't because that he wanted to do what was right. It was not because that he feared God or he feared man or any other thing. He was just tired of seeing her. He was tired of hearing her. And because of her persistence, she got her wish. The judge decided to hear her case. But let us apply this parable, brethren, to the avenue of prayer. How that God wants us to come to him with our wants, with our needs, with our concerns. And he wants to hear from us on a consistent basis. This judge was moved not because of the condition that this woman was in. Not because she had been done wrong. He wasn't even angry because this person had done her wrong. He simply heard her because she was so persistent. As we say here in the South, she nagged him into it. He was just tired of hearing from her. Even when he was not moved by the fear or the reverence of God or man, <clears throat> he heard her because of her persistence. Because she would not go away. As God is our judge, and he is the one that makes all decisions concerning judgment, shall we not expect him to judge righteously, to judge out of love? This that we see in this parable is an argument from the lesser to the greater. If an unjust judge will heed a persistent widow, how much more will a just God heed his chosen people. We as parents know how that we are towards our children, how we want what is best for them. We sometimes look too favorably 
upon our children and the decisions that they make, and we fail to see their mistakes. But God wants what is best for us. He will give us what is best for us. And our assurance that this is correct will be, will be greater when we look at the following things. That this widow was a stranger to this judge. He didn't know her until she showed up in his courtroom. He cared nothing for her, was not concerned in the least about her situation. We, on the other hand, are God's elect. 1 Peter chapter 2 says that we are a royal priesthood. We are God's chosen people. He has set aside the terms of salvation. We have obeyed those terms of salvation. And we are his people. He cares for us. He sent his only begotten son that we might have that hope of eternal life. He cares for us. The widow was only one. Just one person. Just one. And yet because of her persistence, her pleas were granted. We are many brethren. We here tonight are many. When we come to God in one voice, as many with one voice, God will hear our petitions. He will hear our prayers. When our brethren go before the congregation in prayer, they are praying on our behalf. They're carrying our petitions to God that he might hear us, that he might grant our pleas. We pray for God to bless us as we plan to move to another location. We pray to God for the sick that they might be healed. We pray to God that our leaders might make good decisions, good moral decisions, that they might be good people. And we pray many other things. And we come to God as one. Why should we not expect God to hear and to answer our prayers? We must go to him in faith as this widow did. She had faith that her persistence would pay off. And we, brethren, should be of the same mindset. The judge kept this widow at a distance. He saw her coming, and immediately, I can just see his head hang. Here she comes again. And he kept putting her off. She was distant to him. She couldn't get close. Of course, there were armed guards. There were people who would keep her from getting to the judge. And so she was a distant person to this man. We, according to Hebrews chapter 4, can come boldly unto the throne of grace. And when the Hebrew writer says we can come boldly, it means that we can come having firm faith that God will answer our prayers. Not that we should come demanding that God hear what we say. But we come boldly knowing that God has promised us that he will grant our petitions. He will answer our prayers. So when we pray for the sick and we pray for those who are not doing well, we pray for those who are shut in, we should come boldly to the throne of grace knowing that God will answer our prayers. He will give us what is best. And we should pray that all things be done according to his will. This judge was an amoral man, had no concern whatsoever, whatever, for those that he ruled for or he ruled against. It was simply something that he did. Our judge, on the other hand, is as a loving father. He is one who cares for us. He wants what is best for us. 
and he will give us what is best for us. Sometimes what we ask for is not what is best for us, but that is what our loving Father will grant unto us when we come boldly into the throne of grace. This widow was left to plead her own case. Under Jewish custom, a woman was expected to sit in silence while a male relative or some other male would plead on her behalf. She had no voice in the court of law unless she had no one to plead for her. Her husband was dead. She had no male children, no male relatives. Then and only then could she plead her case. We, on the other hand, have an advocate, Romans chapter 8, and that advocate is Jesus Christ. We have an advocate who has lived as we have lived. He has suffered as we have suffered. He feels our infirmities, and he pleads on our behalf. He is our intercessor. He is our attorney. He is our lawyer. And he pleads before the Father on our behalf. This widow had no promise of an answer. The judge simply said that he would hear her. Never did he say that he would rule on her, on her case. Never did he say that he would rule in her favor. He simply said that he would hear her. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. Jesus says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Will he find us still praying when he comes? This widow had limited access, very limited access. She was left on her own in a world that was ruled by men and thought only of what was best for men. Women were at an extreme disadvantage in this society. Only when the judge decided to hear her case did she have access to that judge. We, on the other hand, have a judge whom we can petition at any time. And we should petition at any time. We should petition all the time for the things that we need and to give thanks for the things that we have. We have a God and a judge who wants to hear from us and he wants to hear from us consistently. We noticed that the, the widow, when she came to the judge, it provoked him. It angered him. It irritated him. I don't know why, don't know what she was there for. Perhaps he just didn't like her. There's something about her that annoyed him. We, on the other hand, have a God who asks us to petition to him daily, to ask him for everything, to give him our praise, to give him our thanks. If, a, if this persistence paid off for the widow, how much more, how much more can our persistence pay off to a God who loves us? and what's the best for us. In Romans chapter 18, I mean, Luke chapter 18 and verse seven, we see that God bears long with the prayers of his people. He does. God bears with us, he suffers with us, he knows what we need. In Revelation chapter six and verses nine and 10, we see that John saw the, the fifth seal opened and he saw the souls of the saints who had been persecuted under the throne and they were crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? And the Spirit said, I will come and when I do, I will come speedily. God will come in his time. We ask God to make judgment for us. We 
We make pleadings to God for, for answers to our prayers. God has a reason for being patient. We think sometimes that God does not hear us, but have you ever thought, have you ever stopped to think that maybe God is giving a chance to those who have wronged us to correct what they've done? He's giving a chance for someone to repent, to make their lives right, because God does not want anyone lost in eternity. What we see as God not answering our prayers perhaps may be God giving someone else a chance to correct something that they have done in their life. It's not always about us. There are other parties involved in many cases. Many things that need to be corrected. So when we pray to God, let us pray that it be according to his will and not ours. That God answers on his terms and not simply because of, of our wants and, and our desires and the things that we see at the present time. Because God sees everything. He's looking at for the souls of everyone. And it could be that God's delay is giving someone else a chance to repent and to be saved. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 7 through 9, God tells us, or Peter, Paul tells us that when God comes, he will come speedily. He will come swiftly. There will be many that won't be expecting that decision, won't be expecting that judgment. But he will answer our prayers. Jesus asked a question in verse 8, will there be faith on earth when he comes? Will we still have that faith when it comes time for the judgment day? When Jesus returns, will we still have faith? Will there still be men and women praying on the face of the earth when Jesus comes? Or will we get tired? Will we give up? Will we lose our persistence? Will we lose our desire? Some may see the lack of Jesus, the delaying Jesus' return as a reason to stop praying. They just lose faith. They give up. They lose hope. Their desire to serve God. It was God's concern over, or Jesus' concern over this one issue, or this prime issue is what prompted this prayer. That there were some who had given up. They were tired of the struggle. They were tired of the suffering. They were tired of the concern, and so they had quit praying. They had given up. But Jesus said that we're always to pray and that we're not to lose heart. And I ask you this evening, brethren, have you begun to lose heart? How is your prayer life? How are you in your daily prayer? Do you pray to God every day? How many times a day do you pray in the morning? Do you pray in the evening? When you are out and about from day to day, do you give God thanks for the blessings of the day? Or do you only go to God in prayer when you need something? We need to remember, brethren, that God is responsible for our blessings. And we need to thank him for those blessings and not only go to God when, when we're in need. It's kind of like dealing with with relatives sometimes. The only time that you see them is when they need something. Or maybe it's a certain friend, the only time you see him or her is when they need something. That is not when God wants to see us. 
He wants us to be persistent in prayer, both in thanks and also in the things that we need. Give God the praise that is due him. Some say that the state of your prayer life reveals the true condition of your faith, and I guess there may be some merit to that. I don't know how much. But our prayer life is an indication of where our faith is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul says to pray without ceasing. It means be consistent in prayer. Persistent in what we want. Persistent in what we need. Don't wait until we are in dire straits to go to God in prayer. But pray to him, giving him thanks, as well as going to him with our needs. God has given us reason to believe in the power of prayer in this parable. And he's given us reason to believe in the power of persistent prayer in this parable. Let us not lose faith. Let us not lose hope. But brethren, let us give God the praise, give him the glory. Go to him boldly, as the Hebrew writer says, knowing that he will grant our petitions and that he will do it, brethren, when the time is right. Sermon is yours this evening, brethren. If you are here and something is amiss in your life, I hope that you will correct it. As best I know, all who are here who are of an accountable age have been faithful to the gospel, have obeyed the gospel. If there's something in your life that you need to correct, maybe you have gone astray, maybe your prayer life is not what it should be. If there's something that you need, if you will, come as we stand and sing. of Jesus say, come unto me, I am the way, hearken the loving call, obey, come for he loves you so, only a step, only a step, come for he Jesus.